Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Financial executives in the U.S. are waiting for a new set of rules focused on sustainability reporting that's expected to come from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission before the end of the year. That could mean a great deal of resources and time for the repair community to adapt to any new standards. But sustainability reporting doesn't necessarily need to be laden with new rules, and a lot can be accomplished within existing frameworks. That's the argument of David Pitt-Watson, one of the leaders of the Climate Accounting Project, an informal group of finance and investment executives attempting to advance the ESG accounting and reporting dialogue out of the UK. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Mr. Pitt-Watson about his hopes for ESG reporting in the US, the usefulness of existing rules and the challenges of accounting and reporting for carbon emissions. Could you give me or in the audience a little bit of a, of your background and, and, and your current work with the Climate Accounting Project? Yes. Yeah, so my background, I, I graduated with an MBA actually from the States. I was at, at Stanford, but many years ago, but I'm probably best known as an investor and I, I, was part of the really the pioneering responsible investment organization in the UK, Hermes as it was then, Federated Hermes as it is today, mm-hmm. and have been involved in lots of the initiatives of sort of bringing investors together. So, for example, um, I, I chaired the UN Environment Programme Finance Initiative before the Paris conference. But I also have some background um, in accounting. Mm. Um, I was the independent non-executive or the lead independent non-executive on the board of KPMG in the UK. And I was on government commissions looking at inquiries into uh, how well the accounting system works and, and those sorts of things. So that's my background investor, but with a huge um, respect for accounting and what accounting does. And really the, the climate accounting project was to say, hang on a minute, um, actually on this issue of climate, there is an awful lot that we ought to be doing and aren't doing with the existing rules of accounting. Um, and we need to make sure that the existing rules of accounting are clear and that we don't allow climate risk sort of uniquely to fall off the agenda when you draw up accounts. Climate risks, like every other risk, is something that uh, people need to take into account. Yeah. And and I want to delve into that a little bit more. But first, I want to just set the table. Um, It seems, or at least from a layman like myself, that the U.S. and Europe are, are, are seem to be two different places when it comes to um, reporting and accounting for carbon emissions. Um, do you agree with that? And why do you, if it, if you do, why do you think that a difference exists? Yeah, I, I think that's that's partly true, partly not true. Mm. I mean, the, the there are two on accounts. There are two accounting systems. You know, there's the there's the FASB right. that sets the rules, PCOB for auditing all under the SEC in the United States, and then you've got the 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 standard setter is the International Accounting Standards Board for the, for the rest of the world. So there are two there, but the, the principles of the accounts are very, 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 very similar. There's then a whole load of other reporting where I think Europe probably is a little bit um, a, ahead of the US on this, in partly just because I think the politics of the two places are rather different. Hmm. Um, and, and look, you, you're 
your previous administration in the States was not particularly sympathetic to, to issues of climate. So I think America may have fallen a little bit behind on that. But my sense would be that the SEC now are looking to, are looking to make sure that they catch up. And, and hopefully we end up with a system that is like the accounting system, the, the principles that apply, apply around the world, because that's the way that we can get capital markets to work best. Yeah. And I, I guess, do you see the same interest on the, I mean, you said you come from the investor community. Do you see the same interest in the U.S. from the investor community for these sort of metrics that you, in in U.S. that you see in the Europe? So, yeah, I think you absolutely do. And, you know, whether that's from kind of the what should I call them? The likely suspects like CalPERS or something like that would be quite vocal about the need for this. But even BlackRock has been very clear in its statements. Look, we expect climate to be included when you draw up your accounts with sensible, sustainable assumptions um, being used. So I think you do see that in the investment community, maybe a little bit more and a little bit noisier. Uh, in Europe than it is in the States. But I think it's all moving in the same direction. Now, you had mentioned earlier, and this is something that's interesting, that you think a lot of what can be accomplished, or hopefully I'm framing it the right way, can be accomplished as far as carbon reporting or sustainability reporting can be done with the existing framework, within the existing framework or the existing rules. Um, maybe you could delve a little bit why you think that or yeah. if that's accurate. Yeah. And indeed, I would go further, Chris, and say it must be done within mm-hmm. the existing rules. So um, look, we have a situation today where even companies that are really challenged by carbon risks, by climate risks, oil companies, engine companies, um, are making no mention of this in the way that they're drawing up their accounts. Mm. And these climate risks, they are material. And as as you'll know, the accounting rules say, look, if this is of importance to your investor, then it's material and you should take it into account and you should declare the assumptions that you've made. And that's true in the States. It's true in Europe. It's true all around the world. That's what that's what materiality is. And yet, if you look at what's happening, even as I say, with oil companies and energy companies, you're just not seeing any evidence that that has been taken into account and that the assumptions that have been made have are being shown. And it would seem to me that actually if we if we did do that, then lots and lots of the information that investors are asking for, possibly by uh, other routes, is more solidly given to them and more fully given to them than, you know, if we need to wait for uh, new rules. I'm a, I'm a, I would actually be in favour of new rules as well, but, but, but we can use the existing rules to get a distance towards it. And as I say, we must get the existing rules uh, to do that because we can't say that when we draw up a set of accounts, we're looking at all the risks but we're uniquely blinded to climate risk. It's clearly material because it's material for the investors and it needs to be included and the assumptions need to be shown. Uh, but e- even in that context, it seemed, I mean, just from, um, you know, following the industry, materiality is sort of a fraught issue sometimes, right? You, can, yeah. what, you know, how can, you know, how do you come from the perspective of a repair who's, saying, you know, I can't assume 
necessarily what's material, what, may, what an investor thinks is material may not be material to what we consider for the business. How, how do you navigate that? Yeah, well, I mean, you need to look through the eyes of investors, I think, when you're trying to determine materiality, but you need to do this using your own professional judgment um, mm. as well. But just on the, do investors think this is material? Um, gosh, um, initiative after initiative by investors. I mean, this project I'm involved in is sponsored by investors, an investor group representing over $100 trillion of investment. I mean, it's huge, absolutely right. huge. You, you, I don't know if you've heard, there's a, a group called the Climate Action 100 Plus, which is a sort of consortium of big investors working together uh, to try and make sure that climate is properly managed in the 160, I think it is, a largest a, a climate-exposed companies that are in their portfolio. So this is clearly very, very, very material. But what is material for each company will, of course, be different, won't it? Mm. So, you know, um, and, and the person who's drawing up the accounts or auditing the accounts as well needs to have the expertise to know that. But, for example, I'm an oil company and I'm a valuing the oil well that I've just discovered. What are the key assumptions? Well, how many years is it going to be in production? Hmm. Uh, what, how, what dollar oil price am I expecting from the oil that's going to come out? Because, you know, look, it, you, it, it, there will be people who will say in 2050, it'll be in full production at $100 a barrel. It is possible if the scientists have got all the climate issues wrong, that's just possible. But, hmm. but clearly those... Uh, assumptions would be ones where there would be a challenge from the climate risk, wouldn't there? Right. And it's what I mean. What one's saying is that just like on any judgment you're making, you need to use your professionalism, but understand this climate stuff is really, really, really material to investors. So whatever the assumption you're using is, make sure that you've uh, declared what that assumption is. I should say that's what the rules say. I think the, the implicitly that's what the rules say in the States. Very explicitly, it's what they say outside the States. Investors are going a wee bit further, though, Chris, as well. They're saying, please, when you make the assumptions, can you use sustainable ones? Mm. Yeah, so look, the, the, there's not so much oil coming out of the ground in 2050. There probably is still in 2030. But can, can you use ones that would be consistent with a sustainable climate. But of course, if you're the management and you think, well, um, I've got a different view of that than the rest of the world, that's fine. But just declare it. Say what it is that you've done. Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member. Or look for the link in this episode's show notes.
What do you say to, um, you know, the repair community and the uh, corporate community that sees all these multiple standards, sees all these multiple metrics that can be used within the standards and, you know, takes a step back and says, you know, I, how can I address this when there, are, you know, most of the information is is all over the place or, or how, how would you respond to that? With great sympathy. So, <laughs> I really would with great sympathy. But there's, there's two bits here. I mean, one is it's the financial reporting, the back end of the accounts. And my biggest thing would say, make sure that you take climate into account when you draw those up and you show your assumptions on that. That's the first fundamental thing. And the auditor as well, by the way, is you need to look at climate as well, make sure that has been taken into account. We then have the what I call the front-end declarations of all the things that you're supposed to do. And we've got, you know, in the States, you've got SASB, you've got GRI, IRC, a whole alphabet soup of people who are suggesting what it is that needs to be declared and how it is that it needs to be declared. I mean, there are some very strong moves to try and pull these together into single international standards, and of which I would strongly approve, um, because then that makes it comparable between one company and another company. I'm sure you're never going to be able to satisfy all the people all of the time here, but, but hopefully you can get a little bit of clarity and consistency there. But in the meantime, do the back end of the account. Because my own view would be, I've been an investor for most of my professional life. And the thing I'm really, really interested in is what's in the numbers? What's in the profit and loss account and the balance sheet? And the the explanation for that, I can read in your narrative report at the front end. But the back end, that that's what's that's what's uh, uh, really really important. But I need to know the assumptions that went into that back end, and you you can't do all of this telling me all the assumptions, but not tell me the climate assumptions because I'm an investor, and investors are super concerned about climate, so it's material. Hmm. So I want to get a little more specific. So um, if I understand it correctly, the Climate Accounting Project recently sent a letter to the SAC, sort of describing. Um, the current state of climate disclosures and use reporting companies as alarming, uh, especially when compared to European counterparts. Uh, could you discuss a little bit what you said in the letter and, and what your findings were? Yeah. So um, what we did was uh, together with Carbon Tracker, who are a, a, a sort of a, a a analytical company that, mm. that do this sort of stuff. We looked at a hundred of the most climate challenged companies in the world. Most of them, by the way, are ones that had been already selected by the Climate Action 100 Plus as being ones that investors were peculiarly interested in. And looked at, well, look, is there any evidence that you took climate into account when you drew up your accounts? Did you show what the assumptions were? Um, a, when you audited it, did you uh, uh, did you go over that and did you check what the assumptions were? Did the preparer and the auditor check for consistency between what was said in the front end of the report and the back end of the report, which as many of your people listening to this will know is pretty fundamental at the front end and the back end, I uh, have to agree. And when you used assumptions, could we see that those assumptions were uh, aligned with sustainability, that you mm-hmm. considered whether they were aligned with sustainability? So. We went through that for the 100 companies. And of the ones in the United States, hardly a single one, Chris, 
had done less. Now, I can make excuses for why they didn't, but this is clearly quite a big problem if we've got what could be, and people will disagree on this from different political uh, uh, angles, I know, but what could be a profound um, risk to our commercial system as well as to our environmental system has simply been ignored in drawing up accounts. That can't be a within the principles of good accounting and indeed seems to be against statements that have been made by the FASB and the SEC and others about how it is that you should how it is that you should be drawing up accounts. Now look the European companies were a bit better, but there were some pretty hopeless European companies as well. Mm. Um, if that makes people in America feel any better. But but we've we've got we've got to move forward on this. Um, a a climate needs to be taken into account. And as I say, I understand why it's not taken into account, but this does need to change because for these hundred companies, it's a super serious, it's a super serious issue. And investors need to know we took it into account and these were the assumptions we used. Well I, I don't want to go too deep into the reasons, but I, I want to understand broadly what those are, but because you know you're talking about multinational firms that operate and report in Europe and the United States. You were talking about audit firms that have member companies in the U.S. and in Europe. So you would think that there would be a certain amount of information sharing going on in on both sides. Is it strictly the um, different regulatory regimes that sort of leave open um, differences in the U.S. to Europe, or is it something partly, and 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 I think partly as well. Um, you know, in audit firms, different partners taking different views. I mean, mm-hmm. as I say, I had the privilege of sitting on the board at uh, at uh, KPMG, and one is aware that the audit firms are not structured super top down, uh, a yeah. military organisations. They are groups of professionals trying to do the best. But let, let me try and explain why I think we've got to where we've got to, because it's hugely anomalous that climate is not included. Hmm. And I think it's, you know, that story about boiling the frog, where you put the frog in the right. cold water and then you eat it up and then the frog never jumps. Look, if you went back 30 years, most companies, you didn't need to take climate into account when they drew up their accounts. It just wasn't that big an issue. Hmm. 29 years ago, you say, okay, you're doing the audit. Is that about the same as it was last year? You say, yeah, that's right. 28 years ago, yeah, it's about the same as it was last year. Maybe a few things added. We get to today, and climate really is a big issue now. I mean, we've got to address climate in the next 10 years. Otherwise, it could be really very, very, very expensive to do uh, uh, indeed. But we've still got that frog, you know, uh, uh, with the temperature just getting hotter and uh, and hotter mm. and, and and i guess what we're what what we're trying to do with a climate accounting project is to say let's jump now with everybody agreeing that they take climate into account maybe it's not material for some companies but where it is and these 100 companies it was show what your assumptions were ideally for your investors use sustainable assumptions but show what your assumptions are. Mm. And by the way, if you do that and you do all the thinking for that, all these new rules that are likely to be coming out, you'll find them so much easier to deal with. Great. I, I want to get a little bit specific about carbon reporting. Um, and if I understand correctly, most large companies provide some, at least some disclosure related uh, in the US to carbon footprint and um, GHG emissions. Um, uh, there's scope one, two, and three, and um, 
if I understand it correctly, scope three emissions are the most difficult to determine and rely a lot on significant amounts of judgments and estimates. How can preparers overcome that when they're trying to implement it? So the first thing I'd say is we've got two separate things here. One is the existing rules on accounting. They don't include that you need to report scope one, scope two, scope three. But if you had, um, for example, a, a plan that you were declaring in your narrative report that said our scope one and our scope two emissions are going to reduce to zero within the next five years, you would expect there would be some financial consequence in the way that you were valuing your assets or depreciating them or, or all the rest of it. Well, let me talk a little bit about the scope one, scope two, scope three. So scope one, the emissions that you create yourself, scope two, the ones that are implicit for the things you brought in, and then scope three, the ones that are implicit from the stuff you sell. Why do people want to know scope one, scope two, scope three? Well, I guess it's because it would line up with what people are trying to do in the negotiations internationally, mm-hmm. which is to say, if we add up the carbon emissions, greenhouse gas emissions of every country in the world, plus a bit for shipping and airlines, it adds up to 100%. That's the total human emissions. Let's try and get companies to do something that feels similar to that. And so that's why scope one, scope two, scope three. But of course, scope three emissions in particular don't add up to 100. Right. So, you know, an airline engine, an aircraft engine, what is its scope three emissions? Do it belong to the engine manufacturer or does it belong to the airline? What about the person who made the fan blade? So it's important to think about your scope three emissions as you're thinking about the management plan for reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. And you'll have investors that are asking you that because they'd like to see that this is going down and so on and so forth. And also they want to be able to report to their investors how much CO2 or greenhouse gas is is coming out of our portfolios. So that's an interesting question that people are asking. But there's another one that is just the basic one that every trained accountant should be thinking about, which is when I value my assets, are these assets um, exposed to uh, climate risk? If so, how have I taken that into account? When I depreciate them, when I think about liabilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's two separate things there, Chris. And if you're a financial controller, you'll be under pressure for both. Um, but 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 the the immediate one, um, I, I, I think, is just make sure your accounting's right. And then what you're saying on scope one, scope two, scope three will help explain your financials to people. Great. So a final question and sort of wrapping up the conversation is, you know, <clears throat> certainly our membership is, you know, in a lot of ways, just starting this journey. Um, you know, there certain things are in place, but they're trying to think as holistic as possible. What do you feel you as corporate controllers and chief accounting officers should be doing right now to prepare for you know, detailed climate disclosures or carbon tracking that's coming, whether from the ACC or demands from investors or any other standard setters. Yeah. So, look, I, there, there is some stuff that will be coming down the line, um, which will be required on the narrative reporting. And for the US, it'll be coming from the SEC. And I'd imagine that that will be influenced by the stuff that you can already see from the SASB and, um, and so on and so forth. But if I was saying what to do right now, it would be this. Right now, you're preparing your audit plan, yeah, for the 2021 accounts, which right. you're going to 
uh, announced in March and April, sit down and sit down with the managers of the company and say, look, what are the climate risks of this company? How is it that the assets of the company would be exposed if we think about all the things that we know have to take place between now and 2050? Or maybe we think aren't going to take place between now and 2050, but would be in other people's minds. Because, uh, again, as you know, materiality is, 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 is um, not just what's on your mind, but what might be on the reader's mind so that the reader can understand what you're saying. Think about all of those things. How do they enter our audit plan? How do we think, therefore, about the valuation of what's on our balance sheet? And how does that then translate through into the financial accounts? And as I say, do this, whether you, I, I, I think climate change is a really big issue, I'll be honest about my, my, my views on that. But even if you're somebody who doesn't think it's a really big issue, but you know that your investors out there might think that it's a very big issue, what is it that they need to know about the assumptions you're making when you draw up the um a, a the financial report of, of of your company that's the really important thing and then just be honest about what it is that you've done if you a uh, you know if you're making assumptions where you're saying look these may not be consistent with some of the numbers that people are talking about for sustainability but we have good reason for using them that's that's way 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 ahead of what it is that we've got now hmm. I, I because i think this is a big issue. I'd want people to be using sustainable assumptions, but think about how climate uh, uh, interacts. And it is, if you go back to your accounting training, this is, this isn't a big ask. This is, this is what accounting is there to do to make sure it's thought about the risks and that you've reported those to people. So that would be the, that would be the number one thing that I'd have people do. And wherever you come kind of on the political spectrum about how serious a problem this is, it, that has to be intrinsic to um, how you draw up accounts. And indeed, the FASB itself, you know, has said, you know, an entity uh, should consider the uh, effects of ESG matters similarly to how it considers other changes in its business and operational uh, environment that are material on the financial statements and on the notes. And that's what needs to be done. Terrific. Those are my questions. I want to thank you very much for taking your time. A pleasure, Chris. Thanks very much. 